Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, week seven in the books. How you doing? Fantastic. Yeah, outstanding. Oh, yeah, doing great. If you had to rank your top 25 teams after this week, who would they be? I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Not that you just did this or anything. but Not that I just, I write a uh, top 25 projection <laughs> for SI on Saturday nights. And there were a lot of ranked on ranked and like important games in the night window. I just had placeholders all over the document. So I had to clean that up file that before we jumped on here of course so that's what i did good time you know i could say like well should we just start with you know the the evening game in the acc then but there are only five games and three of them were in the evening so that's not really specific (laughs) enough um yeah loaded slate in the night night time for the acc i feel like we could start with the uh the the big ranked evening game there in uh, chapel hill Oh, number 12, North Carolina, 41. Number 25, Miami, 31. Joey, I have one overarching takeaway here. Miami's got a turnover problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, too bad they can't give themselves the turnover chain. <laughs> I knew something was missing with this Mario Cristobal era. And there it is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hard to win a game when you're minus four in turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, a couple of interceptions. Bad ones. And, Bad and, yeah, ones. I texted you during the game. I was like, man, for, for a guy as good as Tyler Van Dyke is, he throws some horrific interceptions at times. Real bad. I don't know if he's just like that confident in himself or just something, you know, just like short circuits every so often. I don't know what it is, but like that guy – he will throw the ball straight to a defender out of nowhere. And you're just like, wait, what happened here? And it's man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is the second week in a row. He's made a couple of really terrible, terrible throws. Mm-hmm. Um, putting the ball in harm's way, quite honestly, just making the wrong read, mm-hmm. making some really, really awful throws at really inopportune times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought a big reason why, Georgia Tech was even in the game last week was because Van Dyke kept turning the ball over. Oh, yeah. I Miami outgained it by 200 yards or something like that. And that includes yeah. 75 yards in the final 30 seconds. Like, you know, like Miami was the better team snap for snap in that game all night long. But, yeah, massive mistakes kept Georgia Tech in the game. And that's what did in Miami tonight again in a game where they they had the lead at, at halftime against North Carolina. Yeah. And then the thing just completely got away from him in the third quarter. It did. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't look good for Miami's defense either here. Like, let's be clear. They played a really good defensive game against a Georgia Tech offense. It really isn't all that good. But, you know, they really made Georgia Tech work for every yard they got last weekend. It wasn't really until that final drive, right, where Haynes King, you know, made those two really good throws that there was really anything in the way of a passing game for Georgia Tech last weekend. Mm-hmm. And now you look at this game tonight, and of course, a, a much different passing attack with North Carolina, obviously coming into this game for Miami. But they give up 508 total yards here. I mean, Miami's defense had a really rough time. You talk about the third quarter. It really, really got away from the Canes here, right? Uh, the turnovers, an issue. Uh, the defense was a sieve. It wasn't mm-hmm. good. 
it, it just really it really wasn't good. And Tez Walker. Tez Walker football. Oh, yes. Thank you, Scott. Tez Walker. Uh <laughs> welcome to the ACC. You're gonna have a hard time convincing me someone else deserves ACC player of the week. Um <laughs> yeah, uh a smooth six catches for 132 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, and every do. single every single one of them was good. <laughs> like that'll do. Yeah. Um t- tough for Miami. Real tough. I mean, this is the first of all, you shouldn't have lost that game last weekend. And then you lose a game here that essentially you go into this. It's kind of a coin flip. We talked about on the preview. We we both picked Miami to win this game. We thought Miami would bounce back. Uh I still think Miami has a pretty good team. This is I, I I have a lot to say about Carolina too, because for all of the hype that Mac Brown coach teams have gotten in his second go around here at North Carolina, I think this is the best one. Mm-hmm. They're, they're real complete on off. They're complete on offense. They're very balanced. They are good on defense. It's the most physical defense that North Carolina has had under Mac round two. They're good on defense, man. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, the defense doesn't get enough credit because, you know, Carolina has Drake May. And now we're going to be hearing a lot more about Tez Walker the rest of the way. And Amarian Hampton has been a very good running back all year. And he had another 200 yards, right? He had 24 for 197 tonight. Uh, another really good performance, average over eight yards per carry. Their offense is so balanced and they score so many points. Their defense doesn't get enough love. The defense has been quietly getting better ever since the South Carolina game in the opener when they really came out and battered a really bad South Carolina offensive line to hell. Of course, we didn't know that Mm -hmm. in the opener, right? So people started giving, I think, North Carolina, you know, kind of looking back on that game, maybe not as much credit as they probably should have gotten because I think North Carolina's defensive line was a big reason why they won that game. And as we got more data points, it was like, Man, the South Carolina offensive line just really isn't any good. So is Carolina's defense as good as it looked? Yeah, <laughs> like the front is good, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I think this Carolina team definitely has a chance to win the ACC. I do. Uh, yeah, with the way Florida State's looked, Florida State looked great today. We'll get into get into them in a second. But the way Florida State is kind of screwed around in some games this year, Carolina has been pretty complete and you could kind of make an argument that Carolina has been the most complete team in the ACC so far. Florida state's got that really one really nice win against LSU to start the year, but Carolina, not much in the way of like headaches so far. <laughs> They've kind yeah. of just been plugging along. This is an impressive performance at home for North Carolina. Uh, kind of odd that at this point, North Carolina is six and zero. They've only played one true road game at this mm-hmm. point, And it was mm-hmm. at Pitt. So you're going to see a lot more of them on the road down the stretch. And by a lot more, I mean three of their final six are on the road. North Carolina only plays four true road games this year, which is something. Um, you know, you mentioned they, they have a chance to to potentially, you know, go to Charlotte and, and win the ACC. I mean, we'll see how the tiebreaker works out between them, undefeated Florida State and undefeated Louisville. Oh, no. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, I do want to call out one thing that I – the, the frustrating thing about Taylor Van Dyke, so so he said two interceptions. Yeah. One of one of them was the final play of the game. I don't really count that, honestly. Like, that's not a turnover. Right. That, it, you know, that didn't mean anything. I mean, yeah, the game it doesn't. Over. It, Six seconds left, ten point game. It's, it's over. It's nothing. Okay. Um, what I will say is, it is so frustrating watching him throw some of these like 
you just completely misread the situation kinds of interceptions. When I also saw him make what I thought might have been like a throw of the year candidate in in the ACC in the mm-hmm. first half. Mm-hmm. Did you see the touchdown pass that he threw to Jacoby George? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. As he stands back there in the pocket, he basically gets speared by a North Carolina defender. Um, in fact, it, your text message said Tyler Van Dyke just got speared. Just got speared. <laughs> like and, and and it's and and not in like the wrestling sense. I mean, like in the football sense. Like yeah. the defender went in head first into his chest. Like probably had grounds to call it targeting if you wanted to, but you know, don't have to get into that discussion. But he stands in there, he's going to get smoked and he does. But before he does, he throws a ball with anticipation of where, Mm -hmm. and and George hasn't even broken yet. And he floats it perfectly to the spot that George is going to in the end zone. It was one of the most beautiful throws and and difficult throws I've ever seen. And you see him make that throw some of the plays he made tonight. And then there were others that are just like boneheaded, like, what are you doing kind of moments that yeah it's it's just a real experience watching him a lot of very high highs and very low lows and it's kind of strange yeah and usually he's got the defense to kind of uh lean back on which Mm -hmm. didn't have tonight because you're playing carolina offense it's really good and yeah defense didn't really hold up their end of the bargain here i thought they did well in the first half just I, I don't know what the you know if there was a change in game plan or what it yeah. was after halftime. I mean, this game was different after halftime. It certainly it was 17-14 at halftime, and and after that, it yeah, it just kind of turned into an avalanche of sorts. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it snowballed. North Carolina scored 24 unanswered points to start the second half. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's tough. You're not gonna win a lot of games like that. I think Miami's lack of uh balance on offense really caught up to them here. Really couldn't run the ball all night. Yeah, they had, uh, they had trouble with that. They had trouble with that. So, I mean, once things started going downhill, it turned into a uh, passing script anyway for Miami. But not being able to really change things up and keep North Carolina off balance really made things difficult on Tyler Van Dyke in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. Miami as a team, 3.4 yards per carry. Not great, <laughs> right? Uh, Henry Actually, Henry Parrish ran the ball well in the first half. That's the thing, right? Like... He had 13 carries for 73 yards. The issue is that Miami had to get away from it because they couldn't get off the field on defense. Mm-hmm. And Carolina just had a few things going there in the second half, uh, third quarter specifically. Those three touchdowns they scored really got things going offensively. Uh, Tess Walker became uncoverable. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what you get. I mean, Carolina, they they have an ability to do this. Like if they want to turn a game into a track meet, they figure it out and they turn it into a track meet. And I thought Miami's offense would have enough in the tank. Uh, they have been able to score in a lot of games this year. Miami's problem is, and Joey, you've alluded to this, outside of Xavier Restrepo, they haven't really had a consistent, uh, another consistent guy in the receiving core this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacoby George had a really nice night tonight. But that hasn't been the case all year. He hasn't just been yep. there all year as a complimentary piece. Once again, I mean, Xavier Restrepo had 11 catches tonight. Like Tyler Van Dyke is just trying to pepper him with targets. Yeah. Um, Jacoby George had a couple of the bigger plays in the game, finished with 125 receiving yards. But Restrepo had 11 catches again for 96 yards and two scores. He's a really important part of what they do. 
and they need more out of that receiving core moving yep. forward. I mean, that's that's flat out what they need, especially if you know the run game is going to be kind of an up and down proposition. Yep. What's funny to me is thinking about if if I had to think about how do we stop this North Carolina offense, I think it is that run game. You know, we talk about Drake mm-hmm. May and how good he is and his ability to distribute, but like North Carolina only completed 17 passes tonight. Like that's yeah, that's not a ton when Amari and Hampton had 24 carries. The thing is they went for 197 and, and a score, you know, mm-hmm. when when he gets rolling like that and is able to pick up four, five, six yards almost every time they hand the ball off, you're gonna have a hard time stopping that offense if you can't make them throw it and make them complete passes, which Drake may can do and they've got the receivers to do, but it seems like they would rather run the ball. That's where their, their comfort zone is. Yeah. I mean, may didn't have his best night, like early in the game, especially Miami's pass rush had Drake may in hell early in the game. Sacked him five times. I think all those were in the first half. Yeah. uh, At least three or four of them were that I could just flat out recall. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh Cam Cameron Kitchens had a <laughs> had quite the shot on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was coming from the safety position right up the A gap and he just went untouched and just absolutely drilled Drake May. It was a covered sack. They had nobody open. This was in I think the first quarter. Early was that the one quarter, that uh, I think McElroy was in the booth and what was he referring to that as? The it wasn't the Do Re Me, like he had some name for like the three guys up the middle blitz or what he kept going back to careful it. It like yeah I man mean, he was excited about it yeah i mean it is it is after midnight but <laughs> we want to chill out on the three guys up the middle references here um hey I, I you know i don't know what you're into mike but you gotta relax mike goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's a reaction show after dark <laughs> um normally you know i think there's there is one thing here i mean miami says four turnovers there were actually really three one of the funny mm-hmm. ones actually was, it was shortly after halftime and speaking of the guys in the booth they were talking about how there was a little bit of a rain shower over halftime and it was still kind of sprinkling a little bit early in the third quarter and they said you know well this hasn't really actually caused any issues for any of the teams and it was like as soon as they got done with that sentence Miami tried to snap the ball the ball went way <laughs> wide of Tyler Van Dyke instant fumble fell on by North Carolina it's like what were you saying there about uh yeah no problems yeah. Yeah, it was that same offensive lineman who was seen on the sideline when Miami didn't take a knee last week, yelling, what the F are we doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their center. Who, he's the guy that snapped it. He's the guy that snapped it, and he was real mad that he snapped it poorly. And I went back to the replay just to make sure that was him that was the center. <laughs> that, that's yeah. on you, Bubba. I figured as much when I saw him prancing around on the sideline, really, really upset. Uh, yeah, I mean, Van Dyke didn't really have a prayer on that. I don't know if he just wasn't expecting the snap or what, but it was low and away and fumbled around and Mm -hmm. he tried to fall on it and couldn't. It was just, yeah, that was a disaster. Yep. Yep. Evan Sandage too early to put Miami on quit watch. Never too early. Never too early. It's never too early for the Miami Miami quit watch. watch. (laughs) I'm going to pull up the, uh, Bud Elliott from, uh, CBS. 24 7 sports had a really good <laughs> what really, really good tweet i'm gonna play uh i'm gonna play a game from part of my take shout out part of my take good podcast uh guess guess the line or whose line is it anyway next week clemson miami whose line is it anyway? clemson at home 
Clemson minus five. Mm. Tune into the week eight preview to recap <laughs> what this answer is. Five might be too many. It I think might be it, it. I think four and a half. I bet it opens like a field goal. Is this game in? Is this game at Clemson? It's, Death Valley. Yeah, it's in yep. Death Valley. Yeah, probably four or five. Yeah. yeah. Not by a lot. Not by a lot. Yeah. Especially uh, coming off Clemson's lackluster performance against Wake Forest, which we'll get to it. But Virginia Tech just beat that ass by 17 points. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Should have been by more, too. Uh, yeah. But, Elliot, so is Miami going to do the, quote, yet another year without a conference title, play like quitters against other ACC teams down the stretch, and then give a home run effort against FSU, end quote, thing again? <laughs> Maybe. You said that was the Bud Elliott taking a shot at Miami? So then Bud Elliott... He would never. Bud Elliott adds on to that tweet. He goes, if this seems oddly specific, well, see also the last 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean... It's becoming a little bit of a bit with Bud, too, because every once in a while, Bud will put out something that's oddly specific. (laughs) And... Me and a host of others will tweet at him, oddly specific, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he'll reply or favorite all of those responses in some form or fashion. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Time's a flat circle in uh, Coral Gables. It turns that's out. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, good win for North Carolina, honestly. Okay. This is, again, this game in the first half was absolute banger, and then North Carolina just like, took off and ran away with it in the second, in the uh, second half. So uh, good on the Tar Heels. They, I, I agree with you. They look really good. Yeah. And I, I don't know that the defense is great. I don't think they have to be. They don't I mean, have to be. They are, they are visibly better than they had been the last couple of years. And it makes all the difference. They how don't have, they don't have to be great. They just have to be mid pack. How many times have we, uh, yeah. I mean, how many times have we brought that up on this podcast, right? That, if North Carolina even just had like an average defense, they would be mm-hmm. a real problem. They've got like a top 10 offense. So if you can come up with a top 60 defense, I mean, that's again, that's a, a game changer right there. Yeah. So uh, this game is not in Death Valley, by the way. It's at Miami next week. Oh, crap. I know. So. Doesn't matter. They don't have a home field advantage. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just just cancel out all home field advantage there. They play 30 minutes north in a suburb, basically, and in a professional stadium, which gets 100-degree heat on the sideline. doesn't matter. Um, I have one last point to make, and you guys don't care because I'm just the producer who's not visible right now, but um, Tez Walker today felt like a receiver who got hurt in the preseason in the NFL and then came back after four weeks and just said, I'm better than you all, and just scored three touchdowns. That's yeah, what it felt like. That's exactly what happened. I, I was thinking that as I watched this is that this North Carolina offense was good. I think it's found another gear with Tez Walker at receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I the, like that whole thing of him, you know, being kind of held out and then the NCAA allowing him to come in. Like this is not a, uh, this is not just an emotional boost or, or that kind of thing where um, it's, it's just kind of lip service. Like, no, no, no. This like materially improves that North Carolina offense that didn't really need improving to begin with. Uh, so this is, it's noteworthy. Like, 
I, this is a big deal that they got him. And, it, you know, again, three touchdowns in this game and, and every one of them, I mean, were him making good plays, getting open against good defenders, I, you know, good for him. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this Miami Clemson game next week. I, I'm get I'm seeing the, uh, the commenters. We got some Clemson folks in the, in the comments talking about how oh, hammer Clemson. I don't, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree. I think really what this is going to come down to, at least on paper, big picture, is Clemson's defensive front against Miami's offensive line, right? Miami's got a pretty good offensive line. Clemson's defensive front's really good. They have a really good front mm-hmm. seven. Uh, Clemson's defense has been real all year. I mean, if Van Dyke throws Clemson the ball three or four times. Yeah. I mean, this is a game, again, right? Like, <laughs> Miami turned it over a bunch last week. What was their final turnover number last week? Miami was at least three. I'm looking up right now. I think they might have turned. It might have been another one where they turned it over like the last play of the game. Five. Yeah. Okay. So it was five. Again, I think. I think at least one of those five was like on the final play of the first half or the or the end of the game, basically. So it was like basically meaningless. Yeah. Basically four. So, I mean, they had four turnovers last week. All they had to do was take a knee. They would have won in spite of the four turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they turned it over again tonight. The final four tally times? was four well, times, th- but three. really three. Yeah. Right. Turned over three times. And a game you still only lost by 10. So I'm just wondering, like, even if Miami turns it over next week, what have we seen out of Clemson's offense? We thought it was getting better. Mm-hmm. And then last week, that dud against Wake Forest going into the bye. Like, <laughs> what have we seen out of Clemson's offense to make us think that they're going to take advantage of all these Miami turnovers? It's got to be on short fields. Like, if, uh, if that's Miami, what I was going to say, right? It's got to be on short fields. The, the biggest issue becomes if you're giving Cade Klubnick and that offense short fields where they they get the ball in plus territory or something mm-hmm. that's that's going to turn into a problem. Like, yeah, don't give them too many bites at the apple. Like, eventually they'll they'll get there. And- Am I wrong to say that that would happen against any competent team? Uh, what so, are you, so are you saying that if you give a competent team a short field, they're going to take advantage of it? Yeah, but- yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you inherently saying that Clemson is meh on offense? I mean, they've been pretty uneven to be to, to, you know, so far what we've seen this season, I would say. Um, I mean, they started off pretty eh. They seemed like they were really putting some together week over week, improving. Like, I thought they looked pretty good against Florida State. They who did they play after that? That thought they looked really good against Syracuse, was it? Syracuse. Yeah, looked quite good against Syracuse, and then they return home and play a Wake Forest team that they have historically, physically, completely overwhelmed, and they score seventeen points. And yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. Step back, like was this a look ahead kind of the uh, the letdown look ahead open face sandwich that <laughs> the solid face. verbal talks about sometimes? You know, yeah. like you got the bye week coming up afterwards. I don't know, but. I do want to revise my uh, my pick of the line if if that is in South Beach, as we said. Uh, Miami minus one, like a one point favorite, probably. 
Roughly a pick'em, though. I think. Let's say Clemson minus two. It's fair. Two, two and a half. Which is not really any different from yours. It's, I mean, right? I mean, right? Yeah. It's, I it's mean, uh, or it depends on how you value home field for Miami. Put it which, this way regardless of who's favored, is the line over under two and a half? I mean, you and I aren't professional handicappers. So the, the answer is probably over. Right, you but think? I do. We're not professional. Well, no, I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I don't think because I just said two and a half. So I guess I don't. Well, yeah. Think. All I, right, all right. Before today, it, before today's games, it was Clemson minus two. Hmm. Interesting. So is that going to balloon? Very interesting. Is that going to balloon? I don't know. Yeah. Which direction does that go? Honestly. <laughs> Anyways, we're 25 minutes into the show. We should probably talk about any other game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we went, yeah, ranted a little bit there. Evan Sandage, Clemson minus three and a half. There you go. There sounds good to me, Evan. Yeah, there sounds go. good. North Carolina 41, Miami 31. Uh, good win for the Tar Heels. Where to, Mike? We got four blowouts to talk about. Let's start with let's start with Louisville. I guess we have to. Yeah, Pittsburgh 38, number 14, Louisville 21 at the venue formerly known as the ketchup bottle. Uh, first of all, I bet Pittsburgh plus seven and a half. Uh, we both mentioned on the preview show that it might be worth throwing a couple shekels on Pittsburgh money line. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville did everything they possibly could to lose this football game. This was yeah. an awful performance by Louisville offensively. Yep. Just really bad i had this on a uh full disclosure had this on a i had the quad box going tonight this was one of the games on the quad box i gave this Mike was the least amount of attention in the second half once i just saw kind of how this was trending mm-hmm. i want to come back and talk about the quad box for a second but we'll we'll do that in a little yeah. bit okay that's good i like i <laughs> i look at the drive chart like do you understand how many times pit went three and out on offense in a game that they won by 17 points and they scored 38. It's pretty what? bad. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stop seven, there. Oh, okay. Keep going. Seven. Am yeah. I wrong? Seven, right? Seven times. No, Roughly. you're right. I but I was I, saying stop at five because that's where you should stop. <laughs> yeah. Real bad. Pitt, Pitt scored 38 points in a game that they had 288 total yards. Yeah. Like, yep. the, this was a mess from Louisville. The, like, not only did they have turnovers and a bunch of them, uh, three of them, mm-hmm. plus multiple, they had they went 0 for 4 on fourth down in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe at least two of the three turnovers, the proper turnovers, were like in the red zone. So just massive swings. Uh, Jack Plummer threw an 86-yard pick six in this game. So that's like at least a 10-point swing, if not more. Um, you are spot on that Louisville did everything they could to lose this game. Like they 
they were the better team on like 80% of plays. I felt like here, mm-hmm. you know, just by and large, but like they had a number of terrible moments here that again, Jack Plummer had some horrific moments. There was one where he just held onto the ball for a way too long. Noted Jag. Dude. Yeah. I was texting my dad. I was texting my dad during this game. Jag Plummer. Jag Plummer. Um, Yeah. My dad, I was texting my dad during this game and he, he was born and raised in Louisville. He's a big Louisville fan. And he was like, he, he is over it with Jack Plummer. He hates this guy. He's like, and, and, I think this is like a Pierce Clarkson stand-in basically at this point. Like you need a guy who Clarkson is a true freshman. You don't want to throw him to the wolves, especially a team like this is undefeated, you know, top 15, whatever. Like I get that, but the Jeff Brom era, you're going to have to do better than Jack Plummer Mm -hmm. at at Louisville. I think you can, you're going to have to, because it is not good enough. Um, Man, I this was really frustrating to watch Jeez, for Louisville. Ricky. And, and <laughs> well done, Ricky. Nicely <laughs> done. Um, by the way, Pitt uh, getting three turnovers tonight. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that increases their season turnover total to five. Like this, this pit team has been nothing of what we've come to expect from pit over the last like five years. Basically they don't mm-hmm. create turnovers. They honestly don't do that much with the front seven, creating pressure, creating negative plays, all that. This was vintage pit tonight, but some of it, like one of the turnovers was an interception that Jack Plummer threw that he was kind of throwing like a comeback route and he threw it on the money and it just went through the receiver's hands kind of kind of tipped it a little bit straight mm-hmm. into the waiting arms of a, a pit defender. And, and so the, some of that was like, you know, again, just Johnny on the spot stuff, but others were just, just bad, bad plays by, uh, by Louisville and specifically Jack Plummer. I, I don't know. I was, I was pretty frustrated watching this. This is, this is a bad game from Louisville um, credit to Pitt for being in position. They did not make mistakes in this game, honestly, like they, Maybe they made you know little mistakes here or there, but for the most part, they they did not beat themselves, and they just let Louisville beat themselves and found themselves in position to take advantage when Louisville decided to do so. This game turned coming out of halftime when Louisville decided to go for it on their own thirty-four yard line. I've said it before. Why say it again? You were leading the game, and Pittsburgh is the. This is Christian. It's Christian Veyer. We learned this week, by the way, the Pittsburgh quarterback. Because finally, R me, in his name, by the way. Explain to me French, okay? I don't get it. Uh, his his last name is Veyer, not Veyu. 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 It's all kind of one syllable, I think. But it's his first start, and yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's his first start. You are leading twenty-one to fourteen, Louisville. Right, you're leading. I think that was my and, one-year-old's first word, actually. <laughs> Please continue. Sorry. Now I'm just like going through all the times Noah just <laughs> talks but doesn't really say anything. Yeah, He's talking about the Pittsburgh backup quarterback situation. Yeah. All, all this time I was trying to understand what he was saying. He was just talking about Pittsburgh's offense. <laughs> And I'm just wondering why Louisville decided to go for it on fourth and one at their own 34 yard line. Pittsburgh got a field goal there. It's a free field goal without getting a first down, a field possession field goal. 
like yeah without getting it for again that that's a really important thing you just said without getting a first down they gained six yards mm-hmm. they, that was a three had, and out by the way Did that was we count that, that was one of the three and outs yeah. yeah 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 i just don't get it i mean that's where it started to turn here i'm almost positive i've said it before in this podcast and if i haven't i'm saying it now this whole like revolution that we've gone through in the last three, four, five years, whatever of analytics and expected points added and fourth down decisions and, you know, go for two and like all this stuff. I do feel like there have been some coaches that have uh, overcorrected a little bit too much that you're again. See one, Brandon Staley, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth and one in opponent field goal territory. You don't have to go for it. You could you could just punt. And like you're saying, Mike, you're up a touchdown at that point. You don't need to give them, you know, they need five yards in three plays and they can kick a field goal. Like that's your 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 defense has been playing really well. Uh, it's yeah, I this, thought that was a weird decision. This was not a USC in South Bend situation tonight where they basically had to go for it the entire second half because they were getting the piss kicked out of them. That's not well, what this yeah. was. They were leading this game. <laughs> like it's the first possession of the second half. Why are you chasing not only chasing points, you're giving up field position for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask Madden for, ask Madden from 2009 would have given several better play call options. Yes. Yeah, they ran like a halfback dive at Pittsburgh. The 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 Pittsburgh front seven. You ran a dive on fourth and one at him. Without Jawar Jordan, by the way, who basically he, he got a little bit banged up early in this game. I guess it was a hamstring thing. Um, I, I missed that on the broadcast, but yeah, he missed like this whole game. And so you're you're yeah. basically with, without the ACC's leading rusher, you're trying to run downhill, and that's the best play call you had at that moment. And just the whole thing, just that was a bad moment for Louisville. That that in particular wasn't what lost him the game, but. There were plenty of others. I mean, you had three straight Louisville possessions. Call it four straight. Four straight Louisville possessions. Three and out. Pick six. Interception. Missed field goal. Yep. Going into that. And that, and by the way, what we're talking about, the turnover on downs. Those are the first five possessions of the second half for Louisville. Yeah. So you're, you're up 21-14 going into halftime. You come out and your offense goes turnover on downs. Three and out, pick six, interception, miss field goal. And at the end of that, you're down 31-21. Yeah. You have screwed around in the second half. Yeah. Pitt made you pay for it. Yeah. Giving points away. Mm-hmm. The uh the Jack Plummer interception that got returned for a touchdown. Real bad decision. Real bad so throw. Bad. Just everything about it was terrible. Yeah. I it felt like there was a point in this game, and I say this game, it might be happening more than that this season, but he kind of only has eyes for Jamari Thrash sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jamari Thrash better be open because it doesn't really matter if he is or not. Jack Plummer's throwing him the ball. And yeah. it, that's a Jack Plummer problem, not a Jamari Thrash problem. Like, <laughs> Right. Not great. Uh, I thought the officiating in this game too was a little a little iffy. I don't think oh. it was the most iffy officiating that we saw. Oh, we'll get into that. And uh I 
I would also say, you know, I would not refer to either Pat Narduzzi or Jeff Brom as the most even keel, uh, mild tempered coaches in the ACC or college football at large, but both of them were absolutely getting after the officials on numerous occasions in this game. Irate, if you will. Yeah, there were there were a number of really questionable things happening officiating wise. Yeah, this is a weird game. And I, I would I would also mention that there were this was one of a couple of games in the ACC this weekend that were kind of weather affected. Um this is like played in light to mild rain the whole time. Light light to mild. I would say light to medium rain the whole time. Yeah. And I don't think that helped, but yeah, it, this was it felt like this is a game that Louisville lost more than Pittsburgh won it. And I am not, I'm not like upgrading my outlook on Pittsburgh because they win this game. I think this is a turnover luck kind of thing. And I need to see Pittsburgh do this more consistently. And I also need to see Christian Vayar, uh, again, find the R in that name. <laughs> I need to see him again. I need to understand, by the way, this Pittsburgh offense because. This They're has become bad, a dude. consistent theme with two so different bad. quarterbacks. They're so bad. Christian Vayar's line tonight, 12 of 26 for 200 yards and two scores. 12 completions, 200 yards. I it, it, I guess the whole thing is just hand it off up the middle and huck it deep. And just, it's almost an option offense at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's an option offense with no options. Uh, 33 carries, 88 yards, 2.7 yards per carry for Pittsburgh tonight. Kobe. Yeah, really. Um, I, I don't really understand that this is one of those games where if you look at the final score, you're like, Oh, Pitt beat that ass. And I mean, not really. <laughs> no, they, they had a lot of help. I mean, they didn't screw up. Right. I, I mean, that you got to give Pittsburgh credit they took advantage of what, you know, the opportunities they were given like, Oh, Louisville's given us a short field. Well, our offense isn't that great, but we'll take the free, you know, the three free points, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll return this interception for a touchdown. (laughs) We'll take advantage of field position here and there. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, just real ugly, Mm -hmm. real ugly for Louisville here. This is all about how Louisville lost. Not really about how Pittsburgh won. In my opinion, I mean, Pitt did enough to not screw it up. Yep. But dear God, Louisville. Last thing I'm going to bring up, something that I had uh, kind of forgotten about but has been previously aware of that we need to make it a point to uh, keep track of on this year podcast. Mm-hmm. Last week, we mentioned big game Jeff Brom and mm-hmm. how that whole thing went really well for Louisville and, and, going, uh, and knocking off Notre Dame, you know, winning a big game. They had a great game plan, coached it well, all that stuff. There was also such a thing as let down Jeff Brom, which is basically he has a horrendous track record. He has a, he's a fantastic track record in big games of his team, either covering or even winning outright against teams that they shouldn't. And then the week after that, his track record is horrific. Uh, I, I want to say that something like, you know, he's got, he's like four and oh, coaching teams against top 10 uh, opponents. And then the week after that, he's 0 and 4. Dear God. <laughs> that was coming in coming into this game by the way. So now make it 5 and 0 and 0 and 5. So 
keep that in mind. File that away for the next time we see Louisville have to play a, a team that they're you know an underdog, top ten opponent, whatever. They win, goes well. Next week they're going to crap their pants. There is just at this point there is a track record here. It's I, I don't know how to explain it. Louisville better be careful here. Uh, they host Duke next week. If Riley Leonard plays, <laughs> not next week. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two I weeks. guess two weeks. Coming off the bye. Yeah, sorry. Coming off the bye. Uh, Leonard might be back by then. Duke has Florida State next week, I believe. But Riley Leonard might be back by then. I'd just be careful there in that spot. Where would you put Duke on the uh, F around and find out chart? Zero. <laughs> oh, I would put him in the top right. Like every well, bit of effing around you're gonna find out yeah they're uh if you're playing duke i thought you meant from like duke being the duke perspective no no no, oh, no 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 f <laughs> around with duke you're gonna find out you're correct no. you're correct now duke duke played with a hand tied behind their back tonight and beat nc state by three touchdowns but mm-hmm. they're just fine we'll get into that in a few minutes <laughs> i got nothing else on this little game Louisville better be careful, man. There are a few more losses out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, real real quick. So, Louisville media, real up in arms here. Uh, College game day was talking about how Louisville could find a loss or two on their remaining schedule, including today. A few guys on set mentioned that. They're like, yeah, you better be careful today against Pittsburgh. A lot of Louisville fans were real angry about that. Mm-hmm. And then Louisville just went out and lost by 17 to a one-win team. So, Louisville just better be careful here down the stretch because I think, you know, they they got a Notre Dame team last weekend that has been playing a bunch of really hard games in primetime all in a row, kind of everybody's Super Bowl situation. And uh, perhaps Louisville is not quite as good as they looked last Saturday night. Yeah. Probably not as bad as they look tonight. You know, probably mm-hmm. the truth is somewhere in the middle, I think. I would but... hope they're not as bad as losing by three touchdowns to a one-win Pittsburgh team. No, and, and the other thing I texted my dad, by the way, was if they play, if Louisville and Pittsburgh play this game ten times, I bet Louisville wins seven to eight of them. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, they, I agree. Again, they were the better team on a majority of the plays in this game, but there were a few of them that really kind of flipped the outcome and, and gave Pittsburgh the advantage. So yep. Pitts, Pittsburgh yep. only, by the way, only had like three to four good offensive drives in this game. Um, again, how many three and outs, etc. But the way that Louisville played this game, especially in the second half was a complete and total mess. And that's what yeah. cost them. So I, no, I agree. Uh, Pit 38, Louisville 21. Uh, Mike, these recaps, by the way, brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, something for men, women, children, something for the whole family. They got jerseys for Haynes King, Dante Smith, Zach Pyron. If you want to support the boys with some NIL work, uh, you can go do that there. Uh, I'm, I'm about to break out the coach hoodie, by the way. It's the, uh, the mm-hmm. gray hoodie that Brent Key runs up and down the sideline wearing. Um, super soft looks great it is perfect for this fall weather especially if you're going to a game next weekend for instance at, at bobby dodd stadium against boston college um you might need that 
So go get it all from section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. I'm wearing mine right now. Uh, it still fits fantastic. It feels great in the fall. Uh, and and I, I can't say enough good things about it. All the official tech gold, the official word marks, the ATL logo, all those things. It's all officially licensed. It is fantastic. So once again, go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Go follow them on the social medias too. Uh, section underscore 103, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, a lot of fun deals. When Tech wins, wins games, you might, uh, might get extra discounts, even more than the 10% off that we're offering here. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And as usual, let's just get all of these advertisements out of the way in the middle of the show, especially since we're only recapping five games tonight. Uh, we're also sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Use promo code GOACC at checkout homefieldapparel.com 15% off your first order officially licensed collegiate apparel vintage except, designs really except for Stanford clothing. who except for Stanford. had a big big win last night against Colorado but can't buy the gear. 17 ACC teams come so on go, Dion so go buy their home field apparel and tell them to put Stanford on the lineup come on Dion what the hell man in my experience that's not a home field problem that's a never mind anyways yeah well that's why we're also sponsored by Session 103. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so go shop at Homefield. Use promo code 50% off first order. We are also sponsored by Vivid Seats. Use promo code BCPOD20 for $20 off first order, $200 or more at vividseats.com. You want to go watch more ACC football this fall because there's plenty of football left. We're about at the halfway point. A lot of teams on bye weeks, a lot of teams with five or six games remaining, plenty of football left. Go check out Vivid Seats for all of your ticketing needs. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yep. Yeah, we got Appreciate a massive it. slate next week. If you're going to one of the count them five ACC games Again. next weekend, if you're spending two hundred dollars on tickets, you might as well get twenty bucks off at VividSeats.com. That's right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike, we're two. Let's go to Blacksburg, shall we? We shall. Virginia Tech though. 30. Huge win. Virginia Tech 30, Wake Forest 13. Joey, I'm going to make a statement here because I was taking a look at Virginia Tech's schedule, which is, I think, a natural thing to do after what they just did to Wake Forest. Go off, Kane. Uh, I'm not saying Virginia Tech's going to make a bowl game. (laughs) That's a good start. Keep going. But I'm also not not saying it. (laughs) Joey. Virginia Tech's defense. Hmm. Virginia Tech's defense <laughs> allowed six points today. Yeah. Yeah. Allowed six Wake points. Had, Wake had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They scored 13 points, seven of them on special teams. That's a pretty good showing for the Hokie defense. Yeah. I think Wake Forest should just go ahead and roll with Michael Kern as their starting quarterback moving forward. I agree. That's my big takeaway from the wake forest side of things the broadcast was kind of funny of this game because they were like 
is Mitch Griffiths hurt? They're like, you know, he didn't look injured. Like he still got his helmet with him, all this stuff. And they finally kind of came to the conclusion. Like, I think his ass just got benched. Like, yeah. And, and Dave Clawson, I don't think I blame you here. Like now I think we've seen enough of Mitch Griffiths and Michael Kern came in and I texted you. I was like, Michael Kern looks visibly better than Mitch Griffiths does right now. Like it just plays more confidently. I don't know. There's a little bit more zip on his throws. Like, I liked what I saw from Michael Curran more than what I've seen from Mitch Griffiths. Yeah. Offense. That, that, that's the one. That's the one right there. Yeah. Wake Forest offense is uh, pretty bad, guys. Like, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, Wake Forest had 35 yards rushing here. Uh, <laughs> Wake needs. That's, that's my co host, baby. Uh, Wake needs Mitch Griffiths to move to tight end. <laughs> That's the one. Well done, Ricky. <laughs> Play the hits, Rick, and make sure tomorrow night when we're recapping this game to bring this back up once again. Uh, Mike, what was your favorite on. review in the first half of this game? I want to kill myself. <laughs> These, it was horrible. The, the We're reviewing multiple spots. Like, they can't even get the ball spotted. It's like four separate reviews in the first half of we're going to review the spot. And the Which penalties. Is- and then they didn't, they didn't review the illegal touching on the fumble. Yeah. After the yeah. four spots. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? So that Bayshell Tootin fumble was like, it came at a real inopportune time. And Joey texted me. I tweeted something along the lines of, like, Tootin really didn't need to do that. Just, like, go down or go out of bounds. Like, don't be a hero there. You're kicking the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just just get out of bounds. Keep the drive going. Um, Probably the worst play. To, I mean, Tootin's been real good. It's probably the worst play he's made all year. And Joey sent a text message in our group chat and said, did you notice that the Wake Forest defender's hand was out of bounds as he was recovering the fumble? And I said, no. And I have YouTube TV. So you rewind that shit. Fancy. And yeah, very fancy. You rewind it. And sure enough, that should have been illegal touching. And of course, like Scott mentioned, that is one of, the only plays really the entire game that this fishing crew opted not to review. Mm-hmm. They were reviewing spots of the ball. They were reviewing look, turnovers. Look, look, I was, I was moving all day yesterday and today. I took about 30 minutes today to watch the game. And that is one of the plays I saw. And I saw a couple of reviews. I sat down and I'm like, that dude's hands out of bounds. And then he touches the ball. Okay. They'll review this and it'll be fine. Like it's whatever. I look back over about like three minutes later and I assume they had reviewed it and I didn't know they hadn't reviewed it until I saw the text message from you guys. Yeah. That's like, cause I was like busy moving things and like trying to get it situated. I'm just flabbergasted. Like that is something you review, not spotting the ball on second and 12. Like, I, don't and think the, I don't think the broadcast even mentioned it. No, like, they, didn't, they, didn't, mention it they once. didn't notice at all. Didn't mention it once. The, the broadcast crew they may as well have been broadcasting from Europe. <laughs> it was basically so they were at the food. stadium. They were at the stadium. Uh, Barely. Ricky, Ricky was in the press box. Were they the broadcasting test. from Tots? Like what the hell? Ricky. <laughs> Ricky was in the. Ricky can attest to this. Ricky was in the. Uh, he's watching us right now. Ricky was in the press box today, and he texted me because I was complaining to him about how bad the broadcast was. And he texted me and said, your boy, Chris Cotter, play-by-play guy for ESPN, oh, he said he was just chilling, just chilling at the buffet at halftime. 
pride of Georgia Tech, by the way. Chris Cotter. Jay Chillen. Chris Cotter. I actually Former don't really Mike have Georgia Tech. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. Is he a brother of yours? I don't even know nope. what frat you're in. No? Okay. Not that one. Okay. Not that one. Fair enough. Uh, Chris Cotter, I don't really have too many complaints about him overall, but the, the broadcast crew was just, in general, today, not very good. It sounded like they were like 50 yards away from the microphone. <laughs> just terrible. Um, yeah, so anyway, they didn't even mention the illegal touching. Much ado about nothing because Wake punted on that ensuing possession, so it really didn't matter. One of numerous Wake three and outs in this game. Yeah. Wake's offense was real bad. Tech's defense, real good. Um, Virginia Tech's offense, I would say definitively a work in progress. Still need to probably put some more points on the board in the red zone specifically. But you hung 30. You didn't have your best game. Kyron Drones threw for a career high 321 yards and two touchdowns. Thought he was really good. Threw a seed to Jalen Lane on a slant route that he took the distance. Uh, Virginia Tech ran the ball relatively well, enough to keep Wake Forest off balance. I didn't love how the Hokies let Wake hang around here in the second half. Really took until later in the game for Tech to pull away. But yeah, this was a game where I thought Virginia Tech's defense was kind of in that position where they just simply weren't going to let them lose. Um, But again, with this Virginia Tech defense, you're basically one or two plays away from a bad run fit and somebody taking it the distance. So I was pretty nervous there in the third quarter, but yeah, uh, Hokies really took care of business last couple of possessions. Uh, you get a field goal, you get a forced turnover, and then you get a touchdown. That's kind of how the last six or so minutes went. So <laughs> that's how you put a game away. Yeah. That was it goes really from seven to 17. Yeah. So that was really encouraging. Um, yeah, there a lot of good stuff from Virginia Tech here, man. They're they're a work in progress. This is not a great team, but they're taking some steps in the right direction. It was kind of a rough September. We chronicled the Rutgers and Marshall losses that, you know, things really weren't going well. And then you beat a bad Pittsburgh team. You show pretty well in Tallahassee, I thought, just given the talent disparity. And it was a five point game in the third quarter, briefly. Uh, hung around there, and I thought did some pretty good things offensively, even though it didn't put a ton of points on the board. But, uh, yeah, I think there's stuff that they're doing here, Kyron Drone specifically in the offense. There's stuff that he's starting to do that is consistent and repeatable, mm-hmm. which if Tech continues to get good defensive performances against the teams remaining on their schedule, I, you know, Tech's got three wins now. And Syracuse is real beaten up. Hokies are going into a, a bye week. They they play Syracuse on Thursday night in Blacksburg in a week and a half. BC and UVA are still on the schedule. You know, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. NC State's still on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just, there are some winnable games here in front of you. I think if you continue to trend the right direction defensively and offensively, just figure things out it's a defined ceiling because the offensive line is not great right so it's not always going to be pretty on offense until you get some more transfers in on the offensive line in the offseason so i'll take it win ugly man (laughs) this was probably not a 17 point win for virginia tech probably in some ways probably should have been less than that in some ways it should have been more than that i I was gonna lean more Yeah, yeah i'll take it man 
I will take it. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. You mentioned five games left. They'll be favored the final weekend at Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of with you. I think there's a chance that they could be favored once. I don't think they're going to. Well, you get Syracuse at home. Yeah. Non-zero chance you're favored for that. Going on the road to Boston College, a little bit tough. Maybe favored at home against NC State. You know, so you could be favored in two of the final five. And I don't know that any of those other three games that I'm talking about, like you're going to see a spread of more than four or five points. I mean, it'll it'll all be pretty close. So they're all toss ups. It's it's on the table. You're you're not wrong. It you said that to begin with, and I was like, uh hold your horses there a little bit, not so fast. But looking at it, I mean it's it's there. They should um, they should reach the four win mark that you set for them. <laughs> that is in true. The preseason. They sh- they should hit that now. That was in question there for a little bit. They that should is hit true. That. I had a I had a separate group chat that I told somebody they were watching this game and and they were like, man, like Wake might be kind of bad. And it's like I think I think Wake might be getting worse. Yeah. Um. They are they are kind of degrading as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. I think Virginia Tech might be getting better. Mm-hmm. Um. And and. Granted, two two wins in a row against Wake and Bad Pitt, teams. who mm-hmm. are probably two of the bottom four. Well, I guess not two two in a row, two out of three. Right, three against Pitt and Wake, who are probably two of the bottom four teams in the ACC at this point. But um, you're seeing signs of development and building. I thought the defense is is starting to come together a little bit. They have some good moments. And especially, I think the the defensive front has looked pretty decent in those games. Um, I mean, for to hold Wake thirty one carries for thirty five yards on the ground yeah. today, that's a hell of a performance from that. Kobe, play. yeah, 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 absolutely. Now again, Michael Kern had twenty seven yards in the hole uh, from you know one sack and a couple tackles for loss, so that doesn't help, but. You know, your leading rusher is Justice Ellison, thir- 11 carries for 35 yards, like, again, Kobe. But, uh, yeah, I Virginia Tech, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I, I, I'm seeing signs of improvement here. Yeah. And that's really what you needed to see this year for Brent Pry. And, again, add a couple transfers to that, and all of a sudden next year you might be talking fairly confidently about a bowl game and, you know, per- perhaps a little bit more. Right. This is um <laughs> I predicted five and seven. It's pretty clear I thought Virginia Tech would improve, but it's a lot to ask for a bowl game after how last year went. And with the way the beginning of this year went, I was thinking, oh, this could this be worse? Uh Ricky's still in the chat. Ricky'll tell you on our tech pod, like <laughs> we made it real clear there for a while we weren't sure tech was going to win three games it was looking pretty dire there in september they're turning a corner here a little bit they're finding some momentum offensively it's not always pretty but they're getting into a little bit of a rhythm more often that's helping the defense out too defense isn't on the field as much you know there there are some things that are working here and i got to mention antoine powell ryland for chain tech defensive end he had four sacks today uh, is that he's, good? A third, he, he's a third Virginia Tech player. This is from uh, David Cunningham, Tech sideline. He's a third Virginia Tech player in school history with that many in a game. He 
He's the first to do it. It's this J.C. Price, who was his position coach. <laughs> uh, J.C. Price, that was 1995 against Miami. Oh, hell yeah. Our so, guy, J.C. Price, back in the old Big East days. Back in the Big East days. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, wow. uh, yeah, Antoine Powell-Ryland, nice little portal ad. He's been pretty good all year. Mm-hmm. He's been quietly pretty good on a overall pretty bad Virginia Tech defense. So, Kyron Drones, not good. a finished product. Good. Uh, had a good game today. Good. He's good. Tools are there. Mm-hmm. Tools are there. He runs a little bit. He keeps it. He, he's got a lot of Gerard Evans in him. He's not a. He's not like a finished product. Gerard Evans, obviously, he's Gerard Evans came in with, you know, two years of eligibility left and a lot more experience than Drones did, but he's got a similar build to him. And he's not quite as tight end size as Gerard. <laughs> yeah, Evans. he's not six four two fifty, but that's, that's true. Drones is pretty big though. Yeah, six two two thirty is what he's listed mm. at. Yeah, he's from Pearland, Texas. Was he one of the? Uh, one of the Fuente, Texas no. to Blacksburg pipeline <laughs> no. dudes. No. What's Baylor, the story here? Baylor transfer in the offseason. Uh, explains yeah. a lot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, right after the season ended, Virginia Tech offensive coordinator Tyler Bowens, like, I'm flying to Texas. That's my guy. Mm. And there you go. Just plucked him right out of the portal. Good stuff, Virginia Tech. Second time I will say, I, I, we, we talked about the win total thing. Um, I'll, I'll say this and then I'm done. I I think when we were talking win totals, I mean, Virginia Tech has played three ACC games so far. When we were talking about it, I had them at 0-3 because I, I was not expecting Pitt to be what they are. Yeah. And was not expecting Wake to be what they are. Like, yeah, both of those teams, I think, have significantly disappointed. I think those are probably the two biggest disappointment teams in the ACC so far this year from what they have been, what I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that said, I mean, it, again, it's good that Virginia Tech is in a place that they were able to rise up and beat both of those teams. And again, that's a sign of progress that it's it's not going to be a complete product this year, but you're building, you know, it's better than it was last year. You hope that then next year it's even better than this. It's a clear sign of improvement because Virginia, just even in the season, like Virginia tech was, look what happened in September Mm -hmm. against Rutgers and Marshall, (laughs) like against Purdue. I I get the Purdue game was weird. You know, you started the game with Wells. He had a really good second quarter. Then he got hurt. And then he's playing the second half hurt. Maybe should have put drones in earlier. They played the second quarter six hours after they played the first quarter. Six hours after they played the first quarter. Like, (laughs) really weird weekend. But the Rutgers and Marshall games, like, the Rutgers game especially, you were in that game late, right? They kind of pulled away. Marshall, never in the game. Mm -hmm. Those were kind of inexcusable. That's when we thought it was really going to go downhill. So, this is just even an improvement in the last month. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Virginia Tech 30, Wake 13. Two more, Mike. Which blowout do you want to talk about? Duke. What was your what was your favorite team that scored three points this weekend? Was it NC State or was it Syracuse? Syracuse gets a little bit of a pass because they're so banged up and they yeah. played Florida State. 
NC State gets no pass. Mm-hmm. Buddy. Number 17, Duke 24. NC State 3. Yo, what the hell, NC State? Would you believe if I told you that NC State had a lead in this game early? What was the score, Joey? It was three to nothing. That's right. <laughs> what else could it have been? <laughs> could not have been literally anything else. Yeah. This is a bad, this is a really bad look. I had this on, uh, I had this on once it was out of hand. Um, Duke did not, so Riley Leonard hurt his ankle against Notre Dame, had the off week, did not play in this game. Not a huge surprise. Thought that, you know, Duke could win this game. Obviously, you and I picked Duke on the preview, but we had no idea what the what the situation was going to be for Riley Leonard. Um, this is rough for NC mm-hmm. State. Okay, so MJ Morris turns the ball over. Was that four times last weekend? Three or four times? Three, I think. Yeah. Uh, turns it over again tonight. They had him throw it 40 times, which is a choice. Uh, NC State could not run the ball. It was MJ Morris or bust. I mean, he was it. He was their leading rusher with 38 yards on 14 carries. Kobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40 passing attempts for only 193 yards. So, yeah, I mean, this NC State offense is really bad. And Duke is just better coached. Like, they're flat out better coached. I mean, mm-hmm. they, so Duke doesn't have any semblance of a passing game. <laughs> Right. Without Riley Leonard, Uh, Henry Boleyn, four of 12 for 107 yards and two touchdowns. (laughs) That is a hell of a passing line, by the way. (laughs) Completed four passes for 107 yards and two scores. (laughs) Speaking of option ass offenses. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) He did find he he did find uh, Duke's best receiver, Jalen Calhoun, one time in this game. But he made it count one catch for 69 yards. Nice. Nice. And one touchdown. So <laughs> he had so what what makes it even funnier? So he had 107 yards on four completions. He had a 69 yard completion and a 21 yard completion. He had 90 yards on two <laughs> 90 yards on two throws. The other two went for 14 yards. <laughs> yeah. 90 <laughs> yards on two throws. <laughs> this was ugly. This is an ugly game to watch. It, it like looking at the final score, it helps to understand when you realize that Duke had an a one play eight yard touchdown drive in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, MJ Morris, not only did he throw an interception, he threw a, about as bad an interception as you could throw, so just, just situationally. So like yeah. NC State takes the kickoff. So, so that whole, you know, 69 yard touchdown happens to Jalen Calhoun. NC State goes six six plays, 31 yards, punt. Duke goes down eight plays, 61 yards, kicks a field goal. NC State gets the ball back. They, you know, kick kick off. They've got it on their own 18, five-yard completion. Next play, uh, penalty. And then after that, interception. Duke has the ball on the NC State eight-yard line. One play, touchdown. Like, yeah. in a game where offense was a little bit hard to be found from either of these teams, you gave the the ball to Duke on the eight yard line. Yeah, that's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's not really setting yourself up for success. I Opposite. would uh, I would say Opposite. I would argue. Yeah, this game was kind of bonkers. Honestly, <laughs> like I, you know, I I was gonna say this, just 
total transparency, total honesty. This is the one game that I really kind of didn't get a lot of eyes on Mm -hmm. all day. And I was going to apologize for that. But what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at, I don't know how sorry I am. Like this, this looks like it might've been a bit of a rough watch of a game. Uh, Just two teams kind of trying to slug it out and not pretty. I mean, Duke only ran 42 offensive plays in this game. Yeah. But you had two touchdowns of 69 yards or more like NC state running 70 plays coming up with 300 yards, basically. Yeah. A lot of 30, almost 37 minutes of possession. Like a lot of punting. mm -hmm. Uh, the teams combined for five of 24 on third down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, NC state was one of four on fourth down. Mm -hmm. A lot of punts here. Uh, yeah, real bad. NC State, like, so the offense is bad enough, but then you have 11 penalties for 87 yards. Like, how do you make matters worse? I was going to say, that that's not what lost them the game, but it surely, it surely didn't help. Like, in a thin margin kind of game like this. There were some ass-backward stat lines this weekend. <laughs> I mean, specifically the Pitt-Louisville game and then this one. Duke was one of nine on third down in a game they won by three touchdowns. One of nine on third down, only had the ball for 23 minutes, uh, only had 300 yards of offense, and won by three touchdowns. Yeah, like there's – it doesn't take much. Um, NC State, NC State actually – I mean, it was pretty even, but NC State actually outgained Duke 305 to 301 here, mm -hmm. and they lost by by three scores. Yeah, it's – So, come on. This is a a bit of a tough look for NC state. I think the way that they lost this game, but I I will say this, the the way that we previewed this game, I think was appropriate. Basically that Duke not having Riley Leonard, does that make that big of a difference? We said, probably not Mm -hmm. that with him, that they're probably like a 10 point favorite, nine, 10 point favorite without him. They're a three point favorite. Mm -hmm. Disagreed with that. You know, he's as you know, in just, gambling theory or whatever a quarterback in college is not worth six points um it's it's more like two and a half to three at Mm -hmm. most and and sure enough the other 21 guys on the on the duke roster or the other 21 positions were able to win this game and i think you really put that on the duke defense i mean they uh they were able to uh kind of stifle this nc state offense which so far this year has not really taken a whole lot. Uh, they, they've been stifled by most of the teams that they've played. And that's, that's a problem we got to talk about with Dave Doran. But uh, in any case, this kind of, in a, in a way, kind of went the way that we thought it might. I don't know what, I mean, <laughs> I thought Duke would probably win just because I thought they would be better coached or more equipped to handle the situation they were kind of dealt and I also just didn't know what N- NC State was going to get out of MJ Morris. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting them to win by 21 with Riley Leonard out of the lineup. They're so Riley Leonard dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and their they... best player on either side of the ball. Like the mm-hmm. and yeah. So this is a real problem for Duke if they got to go into next week with no passing game mm-hmm. against Florida State. This is going to be real ugly. So I'm sure Riley Leonard will try a play there, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, next week's huge for Duke, right? Because it's, you know, they're undefeated in conference play. 
right? Duke's only loss is to Notre Dame. Next week's a pretty big game, especially with North Carolina looking the way they do. Um, I would say Miami, but Miami just keeps losing. So I guess you don't have to worry I, about them quite I, as much. I now. cannot. We'll see what the spread is. I cannot pick Duke to win in Tallahassee if Riley Leonard is not playing. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, I agree. <laughs> we're, we're, we're saying it's a big game. Like, you know, everything's in front of them. Is it like, no, I mean, they're going to, they're going to die next week. No, if, that's, that's, they're going to die. They, if Brian Leonard's not in the lineup, if they just, win that game, that's a pit Louisville situation where like the, the, the better team did not win basically. Oh, I because agree. They made crucial mistakes, you know, like, they can't go on the road to Tallahassee and have their quarterback go four of 12 for 107 <laughs> yards <laughs> in a three touchdown win. Did you see Keon Coleman? I mean, we'll talk about Florida state in a moment. <laughs> Keon Coleman. I, that man can throw and catch the ball. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can throw it to himself. Like no Duke's going to die. If Riley Leonard's not playing next week. Yeah. NC state is four and three. Mm-hmm. It's not guaranteed. They, they have We're they have talking. home games remaining against Clemson, Miami, North Carolina. How many of those do they win? None. None. I don't think they win any of them. <laughs> Scott. Scott. Nope. I okay. Win one. I don't think they're winning a single one of those games. Okay. So then the other two games they have are on the road: Wake Forest and the Hokies. How many? One. They're gonna win they one. Win, of them. They win one. They're going to split. They're in so, one of those two games. They're going to miss a bowl game. So NC State starts six and two, and we're saying they miss a bowl game. Or I guess they start five and two, right? Four and two, four and two. They start four and four, two. You four, said six and two. What a, oh God! Oh, it's they late. played eight games. Four and two. They started yeah. four and two. Mm-hmm. They lost today. Four and three. We're saying that they're going to lose four of the final five and go five and seven, and then hopefully it's an APR bull bid. I would be very surprised if NC State won six games. I they're going to have to steal one. Well, they're going to have to beat Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. And those, what's funny is that those are the two most winnable games, and they're both on the road. Mm-hmm. Like they're if either one of them. if 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 Virginia Tech were playing at Carter Finley, I might feel a little bit differently. But gosh, that is. That is the worst draw at this point that both of those you got to go on the road for. Uh, because with the way, yeah, with the way Virginia Tech's trending, you got to go play them in Blacksburg. With the way November. that MJ Morris has looked, you want that guy playing in front of a hostile road crowd in November? Yeah. So, yeah. And NC State can't run the ball. I mean, we're going to have that. That's a Wake Forest situation again. That's that's the Wake Forest game all over again. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth monitoring. Yikes, Dave Doran. Yeah. And this isn't, I don't know. It feels like this is this NC state team. It's not like, am I missing something on like, like injuries or just like unfortunate occurrences? Or is it just, is this just a down year for the Wolfpack? I don't understand this at all because Tim Beck left and they somehow got worse offensively they brought in robert and i who we were singing the praises of a couple of years ago and brennan armstrong now armstrong's benched and i worse somehow looks worse than tim beck yeah and the, the offense has gotten worse it it makes me wonder if there's some sort of 
again, some of it could be like the pass catching, like the receivers at Virginia were better than they are at NC State. But is there like meddling from Dave Doran in the offense or something? I I don't Joey know. Listen. It's this is like really hard for me to process and figure out why listen. NC State is kind of rough this year. This is how many years have we done this podcast? This is year what? Eight? Seven, seven, eight. Is this year eight? Yes. Eight. Okay. We've done this podcast. Why do why do I know that answer and you guys don't? It's your show. Because you're We've the only done. one that fills it out on the podcast submission form, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't do that anymore. We've done this for eight years, right? We're at seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation around year three or four of this podcast where we discussed Dave Doran. Well, we, you, you discussed Dave Doran as being like, are we sure we're going to keep doing this NC State? Infamous moment in this podcast history. Infamous. Yeah. And then NC State, well, still doing it. Yeah. And NC State turned like good then, right? Then they turned good and you looked like an idiot. But I'd like to revisit that conversation perhaps later. <laughs> in the regular season, or perhaps in the off season, going to put your neck on the uh, on the line for Dave Dorn now, huh? I'm starting to wonder if this has run its course. <laughs> Maybe it's just one down year, but like you had an inferior offensive coordinator leave. Inferior, in my opinion, I think Robert and I is better offensive coordinator than Tim Beck. That's my opinion. Yeah. You had an inferior offensive coordinator leave, a better offensive coordinator come in, a fifth-year quarterback come in who is familiar with the system, and he was so bad you had to bench him. And then the quarterback you replaced him with, granted he's a four-star quarterback, he's young, right, so he's going to take his lumps. He looks awful. And by the way, NC State can't run the ball either. So what exactly are we doing? NC State not being able to run the ball, I think, is the biggest the biggest red flag to me because that Huge has been flag. a staple of this program since we've been doing this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Like mo- almost every year, NC State can run the ball. You know, they, yeah. they are they are one of those programs. They're kind of like Pitt that they they will take in prospects that are not highly sought after. You know, they're not four and five star linemen prospects on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And they will turn them somewhere between serviceable and good and like get them drafted. And it's it's a really impressive developmental thing that both NC State and Pitt have historically done. And this year it's like it's not happening for whatever reason. I don't know why. Ricky says NC State has a weapons issue. Agree. I've heard that called a problem problem. They have a problem in that nobody else on their team is a problem for other mm-hmm. pe- other teams. They have a problem problem. That's right. Yeah. And it's also a uh, solid verbal reference. I believe so. <laughs> Absolutely. We listen to a lot of other podcasts, don't we? We do. Trying to make no bones about it. And, uh, you know, shout out to them. Yep. Duke 24, NC State 3. Enjoy them while you have them, Duke fans, in regard to Mike Elko, because... That man can coach ball. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Yeah, be there at least another year, I think. Florida State 41, Syracuse 3. Um, I, <laughs> Dude, Keon I Coleman, catch of the year, by the way. 
catch yeah. of the year in this game. I feel like Keon Coleman might be the uh, the the single kind of way that I define this Florida State offense, especially the whole like check in check out thing. Like he had a monster game against LSU. I feel like there have been a a, a few games since then that he has had like four catches for you know, 60 yards or something like done very little. And then in this game, it's like a full supernova nine catches for 140 yards, a touchdown. He ran a punt back almost for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, he had like a full on Odell Beckham, one handed ridiculous catch over the middle mm-hmm. at one point. He, like he just decided to show up today and just embarrass Syracuse for whatever. Re- I don't know what happened. I don't know what Syracuse did to him, but he, <laughs> yeah. He was dialed in today, and it was an absolute show to watch. Yeah, he had 247 all-purpose yards in this game. Mm-hmm. So, That's pretty good. Uh, not to just steal some overused reference, it hit social media with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase tweeted out a picture last weekend uh, after he had a huge game for the Bengals. He just simply tweeted out a picture of 7-Eleven because <laughs> he's always open. <laughs> Keon Coleman is always open. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of if Jordan Travis wants to throw him the football. So, what's most impressive to me about this performance um, for Keon Coleman is so you would think he'd be like more well covered, right? I mean, throw two guys at him if you have to. I mean, <laughs> you think he'd be well covered. Especially because his compadre wasn't on the other side of the field. Yeah, did I miss something? Where was Johnny Wilson today? Injured. Out. Okay. All right. Out. Uh, Hammy or? Something. Makes this all the more impressive. He didn't play. Okay. So, no Johnny Wilson. And he still goes for 9 and 140. Like, (laughs) the... He is he is one of the best receivers in the ACC in the last decade. I, I and I don't think I'm over exaggerating. We've seen some real good ones in the ACC, and I understand he just transferred from Michigan State. I understand he's probably only going to be at Florida State for one year because he's going to be a top fifteen draft pick in April. But this we have we don't see talents like this in the ACC at the receiver position very often. We see a lot of good receivers. Mm-hmm. He is a stud, dude. Yeah. He is a stud. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's a tough cover. He's always open. Syracuse was totally eviscerated here. I Offensively, I mean, we, we talk about this. Garrett Trader has one method. Well, Syracuse has one method of moving the ball, and it is with Garrett Trader. And they totally shut down the quarterback run game here. Uh Schrader only completed nine passes for 99 yards. This was just an evisceration. This could do a whole lot of anything on the ground here, uh, yeah. or really just on offense here. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this was a blowout, like f- full scale. But it's it's funny saying that because I, I I don't know if I texted you this or I was just thinking this was like I would almost describe this as as. Let's go back to a solid verbal reference. This is a crock potting. This is like a, a this is like a slow avalanche that like you could kind of see it coming. I mean, 
Florida State scores in their first drive. They go up 7 nothing. They go three and out. Then they kick a field goal. Then they score a touchdown. Then they turn it over on downs, turn it over on downs, and they punt. They're only up 17 to three at halftime. Like, that's a yeah. pretty competitive looking game. Mm-hmm. Go out and punt. Syracuse punts, touchdown Florida State. Then you mm-hmm. Florida State punts again. Then they kick a field goal. Then they score a touchdown, touchdown. And all like it's like all of a sudden you kind of look up and it's like, oh, it's 41 to three. Like it, it wasn't like this was like a track meet and they were up, you know, 31 to three at halftime or something like that. Like it was just sort of this slow thing where it was like every other drive that Florida State had, they were able to put together a whole bunch of yards and, and ended in points. Basically, I don't know it's kind of a strange game that way, but it, it clearly Syracuse was overmatched here in a lot of ways, but like it, it took a while to get to this final result. Yeah. Kind of odd. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it was only 17, three at halftime. Florida State scored 24 on answered in the second half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this was pretty simple. Syracuse from the jump just didn't have anything going on offense. And then Florida State just kind of figured out, okay, we can just blow them out of the stadium. Yeah. So uh, there was a situation, by the way, that came up. Oh, it was in the third quarter. Okay. I don't know. Did you, were you watching this game closely at all? Did you? No. Okay. So there was a situation. So, so Florida state goes and scores a touchdown with nine minutes left in the third quarter. So second Mm -hmm. possession of the second half, they, they score a touchdown. It's 24 to three. Syracuse gets the ball back. They go 10 plays, 56 yards. They have fourth and six at the Florida State 14-yard line. So yep. they are they are in the red zone, fourth and six. They are down 24 to three. Dino sends out the field goal unit. Dino. What are we doing trying to kick field goals against Florida State down Thank three you. touchdowns in the what second the half? Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, Thank you for reminding me. And they missed the field goal, by the way. It made it worse. Like, are you kidding me? Thank you for reminding me. Let's go find this. Uh, Dan Lyons, he's one of my editors at SI. He is a Syracuse grad. Diehard Syracuse football fan. Mm-hmm. Syracuse's last. Oh, and also um, he is an alum of News Magician. So just wanted to put that out there, too. Who we've uh, we've dealt with that blog before. John Casillo. Troy News. Anyway. Absolute, absolute magician. Yeah, he's an alum of them. Anyway, uh, Syracuse's last five games are all very winnable. I think the team is going to make a bowl. Doing so two years in a row is an accomplishment for the program right now. But it's hard to sell. The fans with these lifeless performances in big games just doesn't make any sense to coach a game where you're down 21. This is kind of what you're referring to here. Mm -hmm. You're down 21 against top 10 team. Like you're tied with an equivalent program. There's nothing to learn or develop there. Try to pull something off. Who cares if you lose by 50 instead of 40 and plenty have said it. The death point is valid, but there are teams down the hill from Syracuse. Not every G five transfer is going to FSU and UNC. You have to play the game. Dan is a guy who is very aware of Syracuse's place in the echelon of college football programs, especially in the ACC. And some of what he's referring to were some comments that Dino made this week that are somewhere between like completely valid and like 
are you actually self-aware here, Dino? Right. Um, I can understand from a Syracuse fan standpoint why this would be so frustrating, especially coming off of a loss to Clemson a couple weeks ago where you looked plucky for a little bit and then just got blown out again. It's like, really? All we can really hang our hat on is like a random upset at the uh, JMA Wireless Dome. Sorry, don't want to call it the Carrier Dome. Don't want to get sued. All we can rely upon is just a random upset there like once every decade against a really good Clemson team. Um, Chad Bracey, FSU defense played better. I agree. They look good, but I don't good know how much of that. State. I don't know how much of that is just Syracuse or what, but I mean, I will say Virginia Tech's offense doesn't look fantastic, right? They looked okay today and they put together some drives there against Florida state last weekend. And I thought Florida state just from the Virginia Tech game last weekend to Syracuse game this weekend did look a lot better. So yep. they did. They definitely cleaned some stuff up. You saw the, the comments that Dino was making this week, right? Mm-hmm. Or kind of saw the at least the context. Mm-hmm. So for those that, that didn't see or didn't hear, uh, it started with there was another. It wasn't Lane. There was another coach that was making comments about. Oh, it was, it was Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops with Kentucky after uh, getting blown out by Georgia. Oh, and he, he they followed that up interestingly today. By the way, I don't know if you saw the Missouri score. I did not. I'm pretty sure Missouri won, though. They, um, they did. That's correct. Which, they won by like three scores. As a Louisville fan, that's like the only redeeming part of the day is that Kentucky got that ass beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine. I, I'm good with that. Um, so Mark Stoops made a made a comment that was like a really not thinly veiled at all. <laughs> what he was really trying to say was, you know, people were calling into his radio show on Monday or whatever, saying like, you know, why are you getting blown out by a team like this? And he was like. They paid Money. for better players than you did, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's calling NIL what it is, just pay for play. That's that's fine. That, that, just call it what it is. I That's what I want. Uh, Dino made another comment, I think, on Tuesday or thereabouts. Then he was kind of talking about somebody asked, you know, what, what's been the problem with depth or something. And he he made a comment about how with the transfer portal and NIL, like, you know, he's recruited a team that I guess you talk about roster depth and that kind of thing that it's like a lot of the guys that you would plan on being your depth have now transferred elsewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. He's like, Oh, we got a guy at LSU. We've got a guy at, uh, I forget where the places were, but basically if you wanted to use this term as you would say, they've kind of quote unquote transferred up. They have transferred up to higher profile college football programs. And, and in reality, Syracuse has really not done that much in terms of plucking in the same way from FCS and G5 teams, you know, where hell we're, they played Florida state today. Where'd Jared yeah. verse come from? Albany FCS. You know where Albany is by the way, Mike, that'd be New York. You know who, who uh, Jared verse was playing against when Florida state noticed him on the tape. That would be Syracuse. That would be Syracuse. Yeah. Um, so opportunities like that, it's like Syracuse is not really playing the game, quote unquote. And 
it's it's kind of a whole thing. I don't know. You you can do with that what you want, but um, it, it it was an interesting comment that it feels like Syracuse has gotten to this point that they've gotten to in most of the last I don't know five six years where you start mm-hmm. off pretty hot, you look pretty good, a couple injuries starts to pile up, and the depth is just not there, and it, it's been a constant problem with this program, and that's where. Well, we were, I, I remember talking about it in the preseason with Georgia Tech. It's like, oh, we're playing against Syracuse, you know, in mid-November. It's like what Syracuse is in September and what Syracuse is by mid-November is a different story because their first 22 guys on that roster good. is pretty good, totally competitive, mm-hmm. you know, totally serviceable in the ACC. The moment that you pluck off five of those guys for injuries or whatever, it it falls off quick. Yeah. And, you know, it's – I somewhat see it from Dino's perspective, and, uh, and I understand I, – I, I get the frustration of – you're, you're almost punished for finding guys who can play, you know, for, for maximizing on quote-unquote market inefficiencies in recruiting, which they don't – almost don't exist anymore. Right. But at the same time, dude, you've got to play the game too and, and do your part and – if you're not, I mean, this is what's going to happen eventually is you're just going to get run. I will say I just did not expect them to lose by 38 today. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that was in the cars. I mean, you and I both picked Syracuse on the preview to cover, mm-hmm. and they didn't. I think the number was 19 and a half. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we picked 17, 17 and a half. But okay. it was, to, it to got me. Up there, got up to 19 and a half, I think, by the time the line yeah. closed. To me, it was a little bit of kind of expecting a little bit of a bounce back off of the North Carolina game, but also expecting Florida State to like check out at some point, and they just kind of didn't. Um, only other thing I was going to mention here, um, gosh, I had it, and then it just like totally left me, and maybe we come back to it if we don't have a lot of time left in the show. So, um yeah, I don't got it. It's not there. Sorry. Good podcast podcasting professional. It's fine. It's late. Yeah. It's almost 2 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. That's right. Florida State 41, Syracuse 3. Um should we give out some uh, awards, Mike? Yeah. I mean a couple candidates for player of the week. Yeah, player of the week for sure. I the one that stuck out to me was Tez Walker. Uh, yeah. 132 yards and three scores in that game. That was, by the way, that was, I believe, his first, second, and third score of his college career all happened, or not at least in his career in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Happened today. So credit to him. Uh, Antoine Powell Ryland, Virginia Tech, four sacks. So That'll do. That's, that's notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, talk about Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 247 all purpose yards. That was 140 yards receiving on nine catches and a touchdown. And he also had uh, 107 yards uh, with punt return game. Like you mentioned, that 172 yard punt return could have easily been a touchdown. Very close. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Two good candidates there. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Go ACC moment of the week. For the folks that watched the uh, Miami UNC game, I think there was oh, a clear yeah, candidate right. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
it's it's late in the first half, and again, this is still a very competitive game. I think at the, at the moment that this happened, it was actually fourteen to seven. Miami had a lead. North Carolina was driving. They got the ball into, I guess, what they would call the green zone, somewhere in that. Yeah, they're they're in field goal range, trying to you know threaten to get into the red zone. Uh, North Carolina runs a play on second down. It's going to be like third and four or something like this. I forget. There might have been a timeout or something. I think there, there ended up being a timeout called. So everyone's setting up to run this third down and four play, basically. And Miami's defensive coordinator, uh, Mike, name's escaping me right now, but he, I guess, sees something. Manny Diaz. I'm just kidding. Could be Manny Diaz. Yeah. Uh, sees something that he doesn't like, and my guy is out there inside the numbers like might have been inside the acc logo like basically about to go tackle a wide receiver in the formation or something like pissed someone calls a timeout so it doesn't it doesn't matter anyways and then the referees throw a flag on on him for unsportsmanlike conduct on the bench basically because he was you know halfway to the hash marks off the sideline so that extends the North Carolina drive, turns into a touchdown for the Tar Heels. Uh, so to Miami's defensive coordinator getting a, a drive-extending penalty by just, like, running out in the middle of the field. So that we say go ACC. Yeah, go ACC to your lighting situation there, too. Yeah, I got to work on the programming on these lights. We're doing the Saturday Night Fever situation. Anyways. Uh, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial U Tried Award goes to the ACC refs in Virginia Tech Wake Forest. <laughs> Um, We're on the same page. I was going to the same place. <laughs> Andy Bitter, Andy Bitter, uh, Virginia Tech beat writer for Tech Sideline. This was at 6 p.m. Eastern time, so this was sometime in the second half. I'm not sure there was a review after this one because he kept updating it, but uh, he had a running review count that he was tweeting oh, about. F- bless you, Andy Bitter. I was thinking about doing the same thing. So... <laughs> This was late in the game, and I don't think there were any other reviews after this. So I think this was the final tally. If not, it was close to the final tally. The officials reviewed five different spots, right? So just spotting the ball five times, which is just inexcusable. Two targeting calls and a sideline catch. Is that it? I think almost all of that was in the first half, too. Like, Yeah, this was at 6 p.m. I think there were six or seven reviews in the first half, basically. And yeah, like four, if not five of them were reviewing spots of first downs and like, like maybe like one touchdown or something like that. I mean, it was, <laughs> as, it was we mentioned, as we mentioned earlier, it should have been more. They should have <laughs> reviewed the illegal touching play on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. The one that they didn't review. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's, you know, eight officially, or I guess eight unofficially, should have been nine. And we don't even know if the final tally here is like totally accurate. There could have been more after this because he he didn't tweet anymore. So I don't know. But I think the broadcast mentioned how like just kind of clunky that game was in the first half because it kept stopping for mostly for reviews, but somewhat, I think there were a couple of injuries or something. It was like nobody could run more than two or three plays at a time without the game stopping for two minutes. Basically it was like, it went on for almost two hours before you got to halftime. Like it just yeah. took forever. If you, if you missed the, uh, if you, if you maybe missed like the tax shaver or the spurtle or 
perhaps a Deion Sanders, Nick Saban, Affleck commercial. If you were hoping to catch that a second time or a third time or a fourth time or a five, six, eighth seven, time. eight, eighth time, ninth a time, time, boy, do we have a review for you. Uh, we did our best to get as many commercials into this game as possible. So, so. The, the ACC network was printing money during that game. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Hopefully they print enough money for Florida State and Clemson not to leave. <laughs> Maybe that was the impetus of that. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Always staying one step ahead. Uh, the Kobe Bryant Memorial volume shooter of the week. Is oh, that we have so many, so many candidates here. There were plenty. Uh, Justice Ellison. Plenty. And it was one. 11 yeah. 11 carries, carries 35 yards. Wake Forest is a team. 31 carries 35 yards. <laughs> the entire team. Tired to 35 yards rushing. Yo, Virginia Tech's <laughs> defense was damn good today. Uh, Oh, uh, let's go over to Pitt and Louisville. Oh, no, no, Miami. Let's go to Miami first. Mm. Miami's rushing attack. Uh, 27 carries, 91 yards as a team. Yikes. 0.4 yards per carry. Not very good. Um, Tyler Van Dyke on, uh, I'll call it injury watch. Mm -hmm. A couple of the hits he took in this game, by the way. He, let's keep an eye on that. He he might not be 100%. May not be. Yeah, definitely may not be. Uh, <laughs> I was just checking in on NC State, too. Uh, MJ Morris, 14 carries, 38 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't great. Louisville's Isaac Garendo, 13 carries for 38 yards, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sebo Flemister for Pittsburgh, 13 carries, 27 yards. Also two touchdowns. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of volume shooters here. So uh, I guess give the award, the award to everybody. Everybody gets the award. <laughs> the, Not the uh, most efficient week. No. Uh, the Queen Elizabeth II Memorial You Died Award goes to Syracuse. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> goes to Syracuse. 41 to 3. Yeah, not great. No, they died. Not great. And the uh, Are you gonna Pat Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi Memorial, I had an aneurysm award, goes to Jeff Brom, actually, ironically. Jeff Brom screaming at the officials for the better part of the second half because he was mad his team's plight. Um, I thought we were going I, for the uh, Lee Corso, you had a stroke award. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was one this I, week. There wasn't really one. I was having trouble handing the I had a stroke award out. Mario Cristobal was a natural fit. It fit like a glove <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> this one, a little bit tougher to hand out. And uh, yeah. I, All again, I know I just, is we gave that award out last week and we didn't lose Section 103 as a sponsor. I was, so so shout I was to just going to, I was just going to bring that out. <laughs> shout out to Steven. So I, I kind of warned him. On Sunday morning, because, you know, we, we had the podcast. <laughs> I brought up the I Had a Stroke Award late in the Saturday night recap. And, uh, you know, uh, Stephen posted something from the Section 103 account, basically on the along the lines of, did anybody else have trouble falling asleep last night because he was so excited as a Georgia Tech fan? And I said, buddy, I hope you listen to the podcast, to which he responded with, not yet, but you know I will. And I said, I would like to thank you in advance for your, for your sponsorship which I think was something I needed to say. 
<laughs> after the I had a stroke thing. And, uh, you know, for the record, Stephen enjoyed the I had a stroke award, but was also glad that Section 103 did not sponsor said award. So we thank him for his sponsorship. Also, I think this week it goes to uh, Dino Babers kicking a field goal down 24 to three in the second half in the red zone. Come on, Dino. The Lee Corso Memorial. I had a stroke award. Goes to Dino Babers (laughs) kicking a field goal down three scores against the number four team in the country. Woof. Okay, Mike, I think that's all I got. Week seven. You good? Anything else? Five games in 144. Hour and 44 minutes. At least we were 144 minutes. That's right. Yeah. You nailed it, Mike. I mean, we only (laughs) need 45 more minutes, basically. Scott, we good? You still there? I don't know. Hard to tell. Scott was moving today, so Scott might be full-on passed out at this point. He might have gone to bed. Might have gone to bed. Scott, we'll talk to you Tuesday. He he didn't chime in, so I think he went to bed. (laughs) Or he's asleep with the microphone on his lap. (laughs) Which is also possible. Yeah. Which I'm gonna leave that one right there. There you go. (laughs) It's the microphone in his hand. That's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Would be the first time he's fallen asleep that way. Uh risk of getting any worse. Uh Mike, you want to uh, work on getting out of here? Yes, we probably should. We should. We should remind the people now that we're an hour and 45 minutes in to subscribe on YouTube. Um, <laughs> YouTube.com. <laughs> yeah, while you're still listening. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, if you're not watching there right now, uh, please come join us. This has been fun Saturday Night Fever. We mentioned numerous comments that we've gotten from Ricky and Evan and a bunch of other friends throughout the, uh, the weeks this year. So come join us Saturday nights. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell icon to be notified when we're going to go live. We would appreciate if you do. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, all the good places you go find your podcasts. I'm at FGRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. We're at BC Podcast ACC together. Uh, Mike, where else on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC as well. Uh, yeah, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Make mm-hmm. sure to subscribe, please. Help yep. us out tremendously. Yep. Send us an email if you want. Longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Support our sponsors, Homefield, Section 103, Vivid Seats. Uh, use the promo codes down in the description down below or in the description of your uh, podcast if you're listening to this on the audio feed later. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. On to the preview of week eight. You want to come on and uh, preview a robust week eight? Five more games. Five more games. That's right. We're in, we're in bye week season. Yeah, we are. I think I think this is the last week of bye week season. I think week nine is when it becomes like f- seven, eight games a week, basically for the rest of the year. God bless our Saturday night recap shows. We're going to have to be more efficient. That's right. That's right. Way more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of teams have still have half their schedule to go. So they're either at the halfway point or just over, depending on who had a bye week. So we have a lot of football left to be played here. That's right. That's right. 
We will see if uh, Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville oh can oh. Uh, <laughs> make it to the finish line undefeated. Sorry, Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. that'll be a fun nine and three season for you. <laughs> well, on that note, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very soon to preview week eight. Keep it tuned here. And until then, go ACC.